to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no off-season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans. That's the last time we will run that open this year because the offseason is over. The boat is leaving the dock. The plane has left the gate, and we are ready to take off into 2022 as training camp gets going with our coverage tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Of course, Sean and Seth will be out at 6 We'll be on at 8 as practice gets going. Nick Casario press conference live at 7.30, then on our show at 8, and then at 8.30, the General John McClain, who joins us right now. General, so great to have you on. I know you were, I guess it's understating it to say you were under the weather this week. How you doing, my friend? It's great to have you back. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. I had to miss shows this week because uh, I had a pain in my stomach that uh, – I was worried. I just worried. You know, you have something like that. So I went to my doctor, James yep. Muntz, who you guys know is uh, the best doctor in the country, if not the world. And he checked me in immediately, started treatment. I spent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and a little of Thursday morning at Methodist getting the best possible care and get awakened every morning by Dr. Muntz doing his rounds at a way too early 6 a.m. So, I had so many people taking care of me, good people, all headed by Dr. James Muntz. The only thing better than Dr. James Muntz is Ann Muntz, his wife. General, what was the last last time you missed the first day of training camp, regardless Texans, Oilers, or wherever? When was the last time you missed, hopefully you're not going to miss tomorrow, but what was the last time you missed the the first day of training camp? I'll be there every day. the um, well, the 2018, the second year at uh, the Greenbrier, because I had had my left shoulder uh, and humerus bone replaced, so I had to miss that. What were y'all up there? Two weeks or ten days or what? And I was wearing a contraption on my arm, yes. and uh, Drew Darty had to pick me up because we live in the same neighborhood and bring me to camp. People, Rick Tindall, Tony Sherrill, those were friends of mine that were chauffeuring me around. Of course, my wife, Carol, and I had to, as you guys know, I had this contraption that I had to wear on my left arm and shoulder that was a huge inconvenience Mm. for three months. But that's the only time I missed the start. And uh, it's funny how the older you get, the more you talk about the heat. But I love what Lovey Smith's doing it, having it every morning at 8 when uh, it won't be nearly as hot as if they waited until, you know, two or three hours later. Oh, it's such a good thing. The 8 o'clock start is great, and it's going to continue all throughout the season. It should anyway. We'll see how they handle it if they adjust as the season goes on. And I know we've talked about a lot of different training camp angles and things like that, General. In your experience, the way the team looks in camp in general – the way the team looks throughout practice is, forget about the preseason games, how does that affect how they play 
in the regular season, and how does it affect your prediction of how they might play? First of all, I would like to thank uh, Greg Russell, the team president, and Omar Masoud, who's as good as any PR director I've ever been around, for setting this up to be a great training camp for the media. And uh, so I, I hope they know how much everybody's going to appreciate it this year uh, and uh, what they have for us while we're out there for three hours every day in the sun. And OTAs, you know, people talk about, oh, this guy looked good, this guy looked great. So what? You know, OTAs are for the mental part. You know, coaches want to know, how much does that guy comprehend after learning? Some rookies comprehend it better. Some free agents comprehend it better. And it gives them an idea of what they can expect from that player. And then when they get to camp, really, the patty cake in first three days where they can't put on pads by league rules, that's different. But when they put on pads, and even though they don't knock guys down to the ground, it still gives you a better invitation and I love it when fans are out there because, you know, fans get everybody jacked up. I bet you guys are better on the radio when the fans are there. And uh, and so I I think that I would like to see fans come to all practices. I've always wanted to see them at training camp practice, at least one at NRG Stadium, and see how many people showed up. But everybody's fired up about it. And it's interesting because we know they're not going to the playoffs. And they know they're not going to the playoffs, but everybody's excited. And the reason is this is the first time in, since Gary Kubiak's been there that they should be able to focus all on football. Because even before the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and that was a huge story. And, of course, last year with Deshaun Watson, you know, Bill O'Brien had a way of, of stirring up controversy, but Kubiak did not. So, to me, this is going to be – all about football, and everybody knows it, and that's why they're excited. General, you said that, obviously, uh, when you were out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to uh, give your thoughts not only to John Mechie, but about John Mechie. Um, he, it was announced by the team. He announced he has leukemia. I think it was Sunday when that news came out, and it just was a gut punch. We knew he was going to not – maybe be ready exactly at the start of training camp, but we did have a thought that we'd see him sometime in 2022. Let's get your general gut reaction to the news on Mechie and how it impacts the wide receivers this year. Well, this is the first time I've been able to be on local radio uh, because I was in the hospital. So this is the first time I've been able to give my opinion on it. And I thought over the second half of the season, the fact he was coming off major knee surgery and was a rookie, that uh, we'd see him become a weapon in the slot. And I, while I was in the hospital, I checked with a doctor that uh, I knew, and I asked him about how curable it was because I know uh, Matthew put out a statement as one of the most curable forms of leukemia. And he said it's almost 90%. And the first thing I saw, I thought about David Quisenberry and the ordeal he went through from his, was it an OTA or training camp when he killed over and Dr. James Muntz helped save his life. I can't remember. And uh, and I thought about David and I thought about Andre Howe. He had what, brain cancer? No, yeah. he had the leukemia so, too. He Andre had leukemia Howell. as well, yeah. Oh, Andre did? 
Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was brain, but he came back and played too. So being a couple of miles from the medical center with all the outstanding doctors the Texans can rely on, um, I'm sure that's something they tell these players it, that helps them uh, in their recovery and their treatment. John, breaking news that DK Metcalf signs a three-year, $72 million extension and includes $58 million guaranteed, $30 million signing bonus. Metcalf with the Hawks. He stays there. Your thoughts? Debo Samuel is uh, doing the same thing. And Debo Samuel, who was a valuable running back, who they say just wants to play a receiver, the price of business for the 49ers just went up unless they're already offering him that. So he's got to be the next one. He's also doing a hold in. And then uh, who's the one that's doing it in Pittsburgh? Is it Deontay Johnson? Is that his name? There's yes, a yeah. third one. That, that's the third one that's a hold in. And but nobody cares about him outside the Steelers. This is a big deal for the Seahawks. And, you know, if I'm him, I'm thinking, i got to get my money. Because I'm going to have Geno Smith or Drew Lott yes. thrown to me. So I got to go on last year's stats, not this year's stats. And so that was a heck of a deal for him. And, of course, a great deal for the Seahawks to get him back on the field because he's a valuable part of their offense. And, you know, people are still, what is Pete Carroll thinking? Well, you know what? I think this about Pete Carroll. He's been doing this long enough. He's got to know what he's doing either he's seeing things out of geno smith that nobody else is outside of seattle or he's got something up his sleeve like jimmy g maybe oh gosh all right general let's continue with the uh as the world turns the nfc west and go to arizona (laughs) where things have been all peachy keen in arizona by adding a clause to a contract it looked, it looked like it was going to be all, all well and good. He signed, Kyler Murray signed his contract. Everybody's shaking hands, kissing and hugging. And then this breaks, and all you know what is broken loose seemingly around Kyler Murray. What do you think, A, about this clause that the Cardinals felt they had to put in the contract, and B, the fact that it got out to the public and C, Kyler Murray's reaction today? Ian Rappaport got it, and he broke it. And if I was – a team, I'd you know, the agent wouldn't give it to him. Right. No way Eric Burkhardt gives it to him. No way the Cardinals give it to him. They don't want to know they're doing that. So to me, since Rappaport works for the NFL Network, I would think it came from somebody at the league office or a rival agent. You know, you can you can get in on the website of the NFLPA if you, an agent has given you his password and you can find all those contracts. And I'm sure the guys like Rappaport and Schefter and Pelissero, those guys have someone's password that helps them get in. And I read a story last year questioning how much he read the playbook and he had to defend himself. And now it makes him look bad. It makes them look really bad that they didn't put their foot down to get him to do that. The story came out that he likes to read while he's, you know, watching videos and stuff. I don't know how you read a playbook and watching videos. But people that are alarmed by this, if they'd had social media, when they asked Kenny Stabler, the Hall of Fame quarterback from Oakland, uh, how much he studied the playbook, considering how much he partied every night, and he said he likes to read the 
playbook by the light of a jukebox. John McClain joining us, Texans All Access Training Camp Eve. It opens tomorrow. We'll be out there broadcasting live on these airwaves all day long, 6.10 until 2 p.m., because it would be ridiculous for Ron and Clint to be out there in 95-degree temperatures with no practice going on. There's no two-a-days. And, of course, you might have the rainstorm happening like we did today, which was kind of refreshing to some. Anyway, General, yeah, I know. The rainstorm was unbelievable. So nice. Uh, It was nice, yeah. General, uh, running backs, I want to talk to you about this. Give me a veteran who you think will lead the team in vet carries, all right? I know about DP. I know about the fourth-round draft choice, Damian Pierce from the University of Florida. What vet, in your opinion, will lead the crew in carries? I read the other day Pierce had the second most broken tackles in college football last year, some percentage. And I'm thinking, well, that's good because he didn't carry the ball that much. So it comes down to Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, or C, somebody not on the team. Or Royce Freeman. Yeah, you th- so you think C is a legit a legit possibility? Um, like a wild card veteran they sign from another team or however that happens. Well, Nick Casario's got 11 draft choices right now. And what are the odds that he sticks to those 11? And think about this. John Metchie's going to be a draft choice next year. He will yeah. not have played this season. He's going to be like having a 12th pick. So I could see Casario if he thinks they need a veteran, that Marlon Mack doesn't run like he did when he was good with the Colts before injuries stalled his career. And Rex Burkhead probably had the best year he's ever going to have as a runner. I feel like Mack is a two and Burkhead is a three. But if if Casario does not see the running game being where it should be, I could see him looking around for a veteran back and giving a six or a seven or a five or something like that. So, But I'll say Mack. Everybody's going to say Mack. I hope it's Mack, but I hope that – if you connect the dots in some sense to the Colts, you don't make a Trent Richardson deal. Hey, we're going to trade you a first for Trent Richardson. Oh, Ryan Gregson. My goodness. Don't do that. A sixth or a seventh? Yeah, totally cool. There's got to be a team out there that's got a surplus of backs. I thought, John, it was going to be Seattle with Kenneth Walker being added to Rashad Penny, to Chris Carson, and then Carson retires. Like, oh, man, could have taken one of those three guys. would have been kind of nice, but that's not going to happen at that point. We talked about Mechie and the wide receivers, John, and we talk a lot about uh, you guys. We were talking about Phil Dorsett a little bit. Nico Collins, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is Nico to this offense and his improvement this year? I would say an 8 or a 9. Because right now, I believe they're going to run the ball when I see it. And we're not going to know till they get into the regular season because um, they're not going to play a lot of their starting offensive linemen in preseason. So we might see Pierce flash, but I'm guessing it'll be regular season. So they need Collins to take the step, the big step that usually happens between the first and second season. He worked his tail off in the offseason. He looks great. He added weight. He has got experience of what it takes to be a pro. And so I would say an eight or a nine, he needs to come through because Brandon Cook's going to get double teamed all the time. 
and that opens things up for Collins and whoever the slot receiver is. And Brevin Jordan, another second-year guy that needs to step up. My personal favorite that I want to step up your wide receiver is Chris Conley because he is one of the best interviews I've ever seen. And I don't mean because he's controversial or he's funny. He just comes in and sits down and breaks down a game and a play like a quarterback. And so I'm hoping like crazy that he makes the team because I'd hate to have to rip Nick Casario every day for cutting a guy that's such a great <laughs> quote. And when his career is over, he needs to go to that broadcast school they have for ex-players and yeah. get his butt out there because he's going to get hired by somebody. Yeah, and I think he's the kind of player that could become a great broadcaster on the merit of being a great broadcaster. It won't matter what the career was or is because he's got some career left. I know I know that, of course. I think he can make it just as a broadcaster with the playing experience being just a plus. And I've requested him to – have an interview with in the early going of training camp because I know he's going to break everything down so well. General, and this is a question well, hold for on. You better hope You better hope he's not interested in play-by-play. <laughs> I know, no, I listen, listen. From my cold, dead hands, you will pry the headset. It's not happening. They'll have to wheel me out of there. Listen, <laughs> I, all right, can I dad brag for a minute? Of and course. This is, a good, this is a good sign for me only because of the genes factor. My father was a pilot for TWA, 747 captain for years. He's been retired for a long time. He's 89 years old, 89. He is going to solo fly a tiger moth on Sunday in the Netherlands 70 years after his first solo flight. So he did it when he was 19, a tiger moth solo flight, his first ever solo flight. He's going to solo fly a tiger moth on Sunday in the Netherlands at 89 years old, and I am pumped about this. If I if I didn't have training camp and I knew about this a few weeks ago, I might just go for it and go over there. I yeah, checked the tickets. Okay, so a little... I don't think your wife would let you. <laughs> no, I'm going, man. I would have <laughs> you gone. Go. You just can't fly. Oh, That's no, great. no. Now, why the Netherlands? That's the first thing I thought about. Well, because we're all from there. You know, I was born there. He was He's from there. He was in the Dutch Air Force. He trained with NATO fighters in the uh, 50s in Laredo and San Antonio. He loves That's Texas. an unbelievable story. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So Congratulations. Uh, I, bring, I bring it up because, hey, this is good for me. Good news for me, jeans-wise, and I hope I uh, really take after him this way and I can what, stay you're around be for a long pilot? time. When your career's no, over? No, but he still has his uh, wits about him, and I want to have that get to my 80s. Yeah, I know you knew what I was talking about. All right, question for both of you. Will anybody on this team have double-digit sacks? And, again, I don't think it matters as much yes. as some people think because I think that you could have a great pass rush by committee, kind of like they had a pretty decent takeaway brigade by committee last year. What do you guys think? First of all, I've never seen a great pass rush by committee. There's always one guy who stands out. That guy could be Jonathan Grenard. And he played 10 games. He had eight sacks. If he's healthy for 17 games or even 16, he should be in the 12 or 13 range, which would be the most by any Texan since J.J. had 16 in 2018. So I think that he can be – I think he will be the guy. To General's point about staying healthy, that's that's the key. Whether it was at Louisville, whether it was at Florida, 
He was incredibly productive when he was healthy and on the field, and he showed it last year. Now, you know, you guys know I love John Grenard. The flip side of that was a couple of sacks came late in the game against the Rams when they had some twos on the field, but he also didn't play but 11 games. It's a 17-game schedule. If you get one sack every other game, that's eight and a half. You feel like you can have one more than every other game. So I'm with the general. I think it is uh, double digits going to happen. But I also feel like you don't have to have a guy that gets to 18, 19 to be able to have a, a pretty solid pass rush. I think the guys up the middle have got to step up as well. I mean, Malik College showed some pass rush last year. I think Roy Lopez making a year one, year two jump. I think that will help. Anything on the interior to help out those edge guys as well. And then, of course, what they can do uh, with Rasheem Green, that gets all kinds of interesting with a guy that can bounce inside-outside because, obviously, as we know, they didn't draft anybody uh, out on the edge. They signed Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, and Rasheem Green. And, John, to that point, if Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes give you anything on the edge, I'd imagine that's a massive bonus considering you didn't put a draft pick in any of the edge players that were in this draft. You know, I'll tell you I, what would be a mat, massive bonus would be Ross Blacklock stepping up in his third year and giving him five or six. He's going to come off the bench because he's not going to play Roy Lopez's position, and he should be very motivated. He is the last vestige of the DeAndre Hopkins trade. That would be tremendous for them and him if he could give them a little push inside in his third season. Well, I want to say Carolina led the league in sacks with no player getting double figures, and that happened maybe two or three years ago, and i got to look that up. In fact, I tried to look it up while we were talking, but uh, I'm not going to spend my time researching right now. I should have been prepared for that one. So punish me. Anyway, next question, General Malik Willis. How do they handle this? How do you think it's going to go down in camp? Tannehill's already had to answer questions about this, of course. You knew it was coming. So what do you think – how do you think it plays out in Nashville with Willis and Tannehill? I think that uh, now that Derrick Henry's back, it's going to make Tannehill look better, even though he doesn't have A.J. Brown, because when the defense, the front seven has got to focus on Derrick Henry and the play action on every play, it'll it'll work well. I think we've seen the best of him. There's no way they're playing Malik Willis as a rookie. You know, they're coming off a season in which they had home field advantage, and they're not going to get home field advantage again. But Mike Vrabel's hell of a coach, and they're trying to win the division and hold off the Colts. But uh, uh, I think that Tannehill has a $39 million cap figure. Don't know what it is next year, but most people think this is his last season there. General, I want to ask you a, a, a business question about the business – that you've been in and, and that you've been involved with uh, for the majority of your life. I, Mike Sando wrote an article, and he writes it every year. It's his quarterback tears article, and it's really, really good. He gets comments and quotes anonymously from, I don't know, God knows how many people, 50 people I think he talks to. And those quotes end up, I think, feeding content. They fed content on our show. I heard Seth and Sean talking about it the other day. They Those quotes in particular become even more – uh, talked about than where the player was actually ranked in the tier. How do you, a guy that has spent so much of his time going after 
uh, quotes and finding people to talk to and digging up stories and doing all that. How do you feel about anonymous quotes in a particular story? I don't like gutless people who are cowards with no footballs to trash somebody like that. One of the things I liked about the Chronicle, we could run anonymous quotes. If, uh, if I wanted to run an anonymous quote about you guys, and somebody was embarrassed to say this with their name on it, I think Mark Vandermeer is the best play-by-play guy in NFL history. He'd want that anonymously. And then, but if he said, I think Mark Vandermeer is the worst play-by-play guy in NFL history, he is absolutely puts people to sleep. We wouldn't run it. We didn't run negative quotes about people anonymously because they had the bosses thought it wasn't fair. And I thought that was fair. Others do it. The idea is to get hits today. And that quote that Mike Sando, who's one of the best in the country, that that quote was everywhere, everywhere. And so that's the idea. And I'll guarantee you his bosses ate it up. Was it fair to Lamar Jackson? Hey, show them, prove them wrong. Well, General, I appreciate you not running that story with that quote about me. So thanks very much for that. And... Can't wait to see you tomorrow, my friend. It's going to be fun. Training camp number 21 for the Houston Texans. I look forward to it, guys. None will ever be as exciting as the first one. As you know, going out there thinking we're never going to get another team and then Bob McNair's dream coming true and being out there, hey, we finally got another team. But this one is – and I've told you guys this before. I think the Texans next year at this time – People be talking about him as a wild card contender and imagine how pumped they're going to be at this time last year. Thank you guys very much. I will see you in the morning. Thank you, General. Looking forward to it. We'll be on at 8 a.m., Seth and Sean at 6 a.m., and then Landry Lopez follow us. We'll have Landry's camp questions in our final segment of every training camp show. We'll have Nick Casario on tomorrow. He's going to do his press conference at 7.30, and then we'll have him right on at 8 a.m. to kick off Texans training camp live. Coming up, it's a new game. A little spin on it. You choose, Johnny. You have to make some choices here, and we're going to give you the questions next here on Texans Radio. More Texans Radio is on the way. Ashley is proud to call Houston home. We believe your personal style makes your house a home. Discover incredible styles, selection, and quality at a price to fit any budget. Ashley has just the looks and options you need. Explore totally different styles and trends all in one place. Finding the perfect furniture and home decor makes it easy for you to create a home you love to live in. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley, proud partner of the Houston Texans. Texans Radio is back. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Training camp eve. Let's do this. Chris Santiago on the board. Looking forward to tomorrow so much. Super fired up, Johnny. Johnny, your level of fired up right now. Can you measure the fired upness that you are registering right now on the fired up scale? Well, yeah, I mean, you can't measure it, man. You, you can't. As I heard that promo, I was just like, man, it's tomorrow. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know how I spend my afternoon today. So, you know, I've already, I've already, I'm already dialed in. I'm already dialed in. And oh, by the way, shameless plug, actually not shameless. If you're going on a training camp or you just, you'd like this team and you want to know about it, 
you know, I've been writing some training camp stuff, you know, five guys to watch here, five guys to watch there. And I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm doing y'all a disservice. So let's write player previews for all 90 players on the <laughs> roster going into training camp. And that Love is live this. at HoustonTexas.com. So go get it. Go check it out. Go to my Twitter feed. And it is awesome. Uh, Amanda Caffey, Haley Carroll, and Ob Leibowitz, our, our digital team, did one heck of a job putting it together. It's got a little drop down. So you can find a guy on the roster. Like, you see a number and you don't know who it is. You're like, wait, who's that? You go to the link and you're like, oh, hey, that's Jalen Camp. Let me click and see what John has to say. Every player on a 90-man roster is right there for you. I did the cliff notes for you, although it's not called cliff notes anymore, is it? What's it called now, Mark? You have kids in that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in a digital world, we used to have Monarch notes and Cliffs notes. Cliff's not that I ever, yeah. not that I ever sampled those kinds of things. Kids today, they just go to Wiki, right? Don't I think they just so. Wiki? I oh, guess. you better hope that Wiki's right. Those teachers know <laughs> that you're Wikiing everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about this? Like, even my nine-year-old, he'll do. He'll be doing his math homework, and I'll hear him, you know, under his breath, like Alexa. What's 63 <laughs> times 4? I'm like, no, you're not allowed to do that, but that's pretty smart. I, I give you a little credit okay. for the resourcefulness, all right? Okay. I'm, I'm going to admit something on air. I'm going to admit something. Do so it. in 1990, I was a senior in, in high school, and I was the only one in my class. It was class of about eight, eight dudes. It was it. It was eight guys. I don't even know if we had any girls in our, in our calculus class. And so I was the only one that signed up to take the AP calculus test. And so the tradition – for all the years of taking the AP calculus test was you wore a, a – there was a calculus shirt and it had all these derivatives and integrals on it. And so sure. I you, that was the tradition. You wore the shirt. So I was like wearing a shirt. And I didn't think much of it. I get in the test and I'm just like, man, I drew a blank. And I looked at my shirt and went, oh, wait a second. There's the integral right there. Oh, boom, good. And they didn't say anything, nothing, because I was the only one taking the test, and I was in the uh, I was in my my principal's office to take it. So it was just one question, and I did get a five on it, so I, I got it. But it was just one question. But that was that was advanced, mm-hmm. uh, taking it to a different level, Alexa type stuff back in 1990. You know, this is great because it's like pre-training camp confessions, right? Yes. This is cleansing yourself. It's exactly the what this starts is. Starts yes. of all your sins in <laughs> life, sins. so we can enter the season clean and enjoy. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I give myself a little credit because usually I get so fired up, like a month and a half ago, that I just can't contain myself, yeah. and the weight is excruciating. I have purposely just put my nose down and done other yeah. things. I mean. Related you to the show, to. obviously, and everything yeah. we do. But I was like, all right, just hang on. You know, don't tap the brakes on the over-enthusiasm. But today, it just hit me all of a sudden. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Here we are. I mean, I don't know how that happens when we do a show every night, but it is. All right, here we go. We're going to do something called You Choose. Okay. I've got a few of these for you. All right, here we go. You choose. You choose the running back vet carries, okay? I said, DP, he's out of this competition. He's a okay. rookie. I need to know among the vets who's going to have the most carries this year, in your opinion. Rex Burkhead. I'm among change the things vets. Up. I think there's there's so much about Marlon Mack. Oh, yeah, Marlon Mack. And I, and I think Marlon is going to do some good things. I just think that Rex is that guy that when things get tough, and not to say that other guys aren't tough or whatever, but when things get tough, man, Rex, can you get us two yards here? 
Yeah. Can you get us three or four yards? I remember that Tennessee game in the rain last year, and we're not doing much running game wise, but we got to pick up a yard here. We got to pick up a couple there, and Rex would do it. And they're j- the backs just weren't doing it up to that point. And Rex is like, "Yeah, I got this. I can do this." In the passing game, I think he is exceptional. I think he can be used even more in the passing game than he is. But I think when it comes to, and I hate to use the word old reliable for a running back because the first thing you think of is old, but he is. He's old reliable. Man, I need three yards. Rex is going to get that. He's going to get that three yards. You rely on him to get it. So I'm going Rex Burkhead. Okay, I've got a few more of these. So we're going to go semi-rapid fire. Not really rapid fire, but semi-rapid fire. That was rapid fire. No, I know. That was pretty good. That That was pretty good. Okay. (laughs) You're playing the Titans. You choose. You, you face either Malik Willis with Derrick Henry in a full arsenal or Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, but Robert Woods, or Bobby Trees, as you called him the other day, mm-hmm. Robert Woods is out. So which one do you want? Tannehill and Henry, no Robert Woods, or Malik Willis and Henry in a full arsenal of whatever they've got in Nashville? Your choice. If, and I can't remember where Tennessee falls on the schedule first I can't remember what, what where they fought. If it's the first game of the year or the the earlier game of the year, I want Will. I want uh, I want Willis. Mm-hmm. Later in the year, I want Tannehill because I think as Willis warms up a little bit, he's going to start to kind of figure out his spots okay. um, and and where he can he can hurt a team. And I know General said, "Look, they're not going to play Malik Willis as as a rookie." That would get sort of interesting if something happened at Tannehill early, early, early in the season. Would yeah. the Titans call San Francisco at that point and want to make a deal? Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo, come on, let's go. I don't know if there's any correlation between the offense Tennessee's running and, and what Garoppolo's done. I don't think there is. But that said, would they make a move if something happened to Tannehill early on because they're not ready to hand it to Malik Willis? I think later in the year – they would be more apt to hand it to Malik Willis. And if Willis does get the ball midseason on, then by the time we see him a second time, he might be in a groove. I'll take my chances. I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I was talking him up the other day. I'll take my chances against a rookie quarterback this year, mm-hmm. Malik Willis, especially early in the season. But later in the season, when he kind of figures a few things out and he knows exactly when to run and when to take off, and now you got to deal with that and some of the RPO stuff and some of the zone read that they could run with Derrick Henry. Ooh, man, I don't know. If, I don't know if I like that. I yeah. really don't know if I like that. Uh, early on, it could be really interesting with them and unpredictable. You know, it's funny because the drama with a team that has postseason, maybe not success in the postseason, but gets there, like number one seed Tennessee, and they draft a quarterback and voluntarily look to replace the starter, but you don't know when. It's kind of like San Francisco last year, and yep. the historical precedent is. Hey, the Chiefs did it with Patrick Mahomes. They had Alex Smith, a good quarterback, but they weren't getting over the hump in the playoffs, and then they very much did with Mahomes. All right, let's go this to this. You choose. Okay, you choose the training camp event. Scrimmage the Cowboys at the Alamo Dome like the team did in 2003. Some Texans vets remember that one. That was awesome. Or go back to Green Bay practice and play them up there. So scrimmage the Cowboys at the Alamo Dome. Or go back to Green Bay. These are not, and I I want you to focus on the non-game part of it because you're really not playing a game with the Cowboys if you're scrimmaging them at the Alamo Dome. It would be like a week before the first preseason game. Go. 
that scrimmage with the Cowboys would be all kinds of nasty. I mean, Texas it was cool, Cowboys man. fans getting together. Would I not. think Sterner was in that. Sterner was in that mix when Ooh. they did it in 03. Tony Romo was a rookie. Bill Parcells was coaching. It was very cool to go to the uh, Riverwalk and see all the Texans fans there and Cowboy fans in yeah. that city. It was cool. Yeah. I. Yeah, I mean, I've got to. It's yeah, so stressful. It's so stressful when we play the Cowboys. I mean, yeah. so stressful. It's great. I mean, 14-8, those games. I mean, the preseason games are stressful, too. A scrimmage would be, uh, I mean, no holds barred in some yep. sense because there's no pressure on either team to win. But you want to have the better team. I oh, remember, yeah. remember the 14, we faced the Broncos, and Peyton Manning after the first day was like, they kicked our tail. Was like, yeah, we walked out of there like, yeah, we did. The next day, then, well, the sheriff was the sheriff for a reason. Yep. To walk out of the Alamo Dome going, yeah, we got the better of the Cowboys would be very, very cool. So I, I'm going to go with that. But, man, you know how romantic it is to go up to Green Bay. Come on now. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I want to go back someday. All right. Who, all right, this is you choose. You choose who gets more catches this year. Not your choice, but your prediction. Brevin Jordan or Philip Dorsett? More catches. Which guy? Give it to me. Oh, boy. Um, it's a fairly tough one. Wouldn't you lean Jordan? But Well, you can't try and sway me now. Oh, sorry. You're Go ahead. You the question. I know. You I can't just start can't help. Ah, all right. I'll I mean, stop. Brevin Jordan, I mean, you would think Brevin Jordan is that guy. I, I just, after watching OTAs and minicamps, Pharaoh Brown, I'm just – he was very, very confident talking to people about what he thought he could do this year. And if Pharaoh, given the fact that Pharaoh will block and Brevin still has to work on that, Pharaoh's got an opportunity to be on the field a, a, a lot. And I don't want to say a lot more than Brevin, but if you want to maintain that run-pass balance, Pharaoh's got to be a part of this. So I'm going to go with Brevin. Okay. Because I think for a tight end, I know I talked myself into that, but I think for tight ends, for even you know a young quarterback like Davis, just to have those outlets, just check it down, take some change, get it to second and six, and a tight end's got a catch for four yards, and you live to see second down instead of holding it and taking a sack. Dorsett, they're going to find different ways, I think, to get him the ball. It doesn't always have to be a reception. Would be it you know quick screens. And some quick screens turn into runs, maybe reverses. Uh, now, push passes are completions, so he might get some cheap ones that way. But I'm going to say Brevin because I think the tight ends are going to have n- maybe not Ryan Griffin, C.J. Fedorowicz type year, but uh-huh. I think the tight ends are going to get used a significant amount this year. All right, one more quickie for you. You choose Steakhouse, Elway's in Denver or St. Elmo's in Indy. Not the place we always go in Indy. Oh. We don't go to St. Elmo's because – as Yogi Berra once said, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Right. Uh, so which one do you want to go to? St. Elmo's in Indy or Elway's in Denver? I am a mid-century connoisseur. Like, if you could take me back to the 50s and smoke-filled rooms and cigars. And I don't drink, mm-hmm. but, you know, somebody's having a whiskey. That's the way St. Elmo's feels. It feels very mm-hmm. traditional, and I like that. I like that. Elway's is fantastic. The food is very, very good. But St. Elmo's I'm going with because I feel like with St. Elmo's, it just has that sort of feel like I'm having dinner with uh, Sammy Davis. Um, 
you know, and, and Frank Sinatra. And maybe that's, maybe that's uh, you know, that would be a great dinner. I don't get that vibe at Elway's. Elway's is definitely you know, in the present where I feel like St. Elmo's, I get taken back to times of yore. So I'm going to go St. Elmo's. <laughs> All right, good choice there. I like Elway's, too. I like being in downtown Denver. Underrated city, for sure. Can't wait to go back. Area. Yeah, we're going back this year, week two. And I heard Sean reading off the betting lines, and I was thinking, Ooh. double-digit underdogs at Denver. That's a lot of Ds. Let's talk about that, among some other things, including more tension, Arizona facility with the Kyler Murray situation, or Daniel Snyder's deposition. I don't know if we'll get to that. We'll try. It's Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. The Houston Texans and Chevron have teamed up with the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Houston and the Houston Food Bank to create the Chevron Market Pantry at the Houston Texans Team Club. The partnership provides food to the local community and is run by Team Club members and Chevron volunteers. Together, We're helping make Houston a better place to call home. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Two weeks from Saturday night, the Texans will open the preseason. Think about that for a moment. Two weeks from Saturday, they play at NRG Stadium against the New Orleans Saints State of Football game, 7 o'clock tick. Uh, kick tickets kind of stepped on myself there you know because i'm so excited tickets on the texans app houstontexas.com go check them out saints and then a road tilt at the rams 9 p.m central kickoff at sofi which i'm hearing all sorts of stuff about but it's sort of inside baseball and i don't want to get into it right now and then the preseason wraps the following Thursday against the San Francisco 49ers at home. That's going to be an Amazon game, but you're going to see it in the market. And, of course, hear every game right here on Sports Radio 610, the Texans app, the Odyssey app, every app you can find. Let's just listen and be here. All right, Johnny. Daniel Snyder deposition, I don't want to talk about that. Kyler yeah. Murray, you mentioned the as-the-world-turns aspect of the NFC West. Can you imagine if all that drama was going down in the NFC East? I guess the NFC East is just built in with drama anyway because you have Washington, yeah. you have Dallas, the Giants. No matter what's going on, they always are a lightning rod for clicks, for eyeballs, and, of course, Philadelphia. I mean, let's not forget them because that is a rabid fan base and they always have something going on. And Jalen Hurts is going to be here at NRG Stadium November 3rd. It'll be Battle Red Night, and the Texans will wear the helmet. There's just so much going on right now. The league has opened for 2022. Yeah, ain't it fun? I mean, it is. I mean, this fun? is what we wait for. I mean, the general brought up something pretty interesting because it was the question I asked, and you and I talked about it. How did that contract not like where did that come from and typically stuff in a contract will come from the agent if the agent's proud of it sometimes it comes from the team if the team feels like they got a you know a team-friendly deal where did that come from And he brought the fact that well maybe there's a rival agent that got that information and put it out there i that that's the part that has me really curious as to where that came out for kyler murray but he didn't help himself today the only thing that he can do is just, I hate to say this, shut up and play ball. Because the more he talks about it, the worse he's coming off. So just go show you can ball however you do it. And if the four hours help you, 
great. If they don't, then prove you're better without it. That's the only thing he can do to sell anybody because this is just not going well at all for for him. I don't know about for the Cardinals, but definitely not for him. Florio just tweeted out, maybe the Cardinals should just rip it up, rip up that clause because of all it's causing here. Kyler Murray had to know better that having a press conference saying it's disrespectful to think that, or to put it out there that he doesn't put in the work, uh, as media members are, because they're inferring that, (laughs) it's implied in the contract with that clause, he says it's disrespectful to bring that up. Where did you think that was going to go? Yeah. Did you think that was going to make it better? Did you no. think the media was suddenly going to go away? They love this. <laughs> Talk more, please. You're just adding to clickbait for them. And the league shows all the players a video every year on the media. Right. And they talk about the media in a very good way that you're really talking to the fans when you're talking to the media remember no matter how you feel about the person holding the microphone or the notepad or whatever they're holding the camera you are talking to all of their followers followers all of their people their entire audience from whatever outlet they represent so you have to keep that in mind and all this did was create more strife for him. So I kind of feel bad for him in this sense, and I still don't understand why they did it, because how is it enforceable? It's not. It's not enforceable. You know, we have to judge Emmy, uh, potential Emmy Award winners, so Emmy nominees, every year Mm -hmm. for the Lone Star Emmys, right? Right. And they have a great video system. You cannot not watch these videos. (laughs) Believe me, I've tried. You know, you have to... You can't just, like, go to the end and, like, yeah, check, I've watched it. No, 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 no. You They force you to watch it. Yep. And, yeah, could you get up and walk away? I suppose so. But I feel like they're watching me through the little camera on my laptop. <laughs> I don't know. Could they do something like that with him? Maybe. I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. But tearing it up, tearing it up isn't going to do anything. The damage has already been done. So what they need to do is put their head it's down. It's already going to be out there. Go to work and ball out. And then everybody will shut up and about be good. It. Yeah. yeah, be good. Yeah, you're right. If they're good, if they're good, that's going to take away so much. But every time something goes wrong, people are going to bring up, well, Murray didn't do his homework, apparently. And yep. every time Steve Kime is interviewed or Kingsbury, uh, is he putting in the time? Did he do his four hours this week? All right, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you, Chris, for producing. Thank you, Johnny. Tomorrow morning, Seth and Sean live at 6 on the field, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. We have Texans training camp live on the fields. The humid tundra of the Houston Methodist Training Center will be out there bringing you all the good stuff. Nick Casario joins us live at 8 a.m. Don't miss it. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. How do we outsmart cancer? At Houston Methodist, we're creating nano devices to directly treat tumors, minimizing side effects. We're researching how repurposing existing treatments can stop the deadliest form of breast cancer from spreading. And removing cervical cancer without affecting the uterus so you can still give birth. That's the difference between practicing medicine and leading it. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. To learn more, visit HoustonMethodist.org. Houston Methodist.